Hey there, everyone, it's Jeff from MCS Mag, and welcome to podcast episode number 261. Okay, so I realize that 99.9% .9 of you out there are not international undercover spies. I'm leaving a little bit of wiggle room there for the one of you that might be. But the fact is, is that there are all kinds of stalkers, kidnappers, and other predators out there who walk among us looking for their next victim of opportunity. Now, that's just one of the reasons why I feel that developing some simple counter-captivity escape and evasion tactics can be so useful for the modern protector. And this week, I'm bringing back my friend Kevin Reeve, who runs an amazing training course throughout the country to master these principles. Now, his tips and tricks for protecting yourself and those you love are coming right up. But first, don't forget to check out this week's free show notes, including our handy-dandy one-page cheat sheet covering all the main points that we cover today. Now, all you have to do is go to www.mcsmagazine.com slash 261 and download it all absolutely free. And now, let's talk tactics. Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. It was a story that captivated the nation. 13-year-old Jamie Kloss was abducted from her home in Wisconsin last fall. The kidnapper murdered her parents and held her for several months. Meanwhile, people searched far and wide for the missing Jamie Kloss until one day she rescued herself by escaping. Authorities were mystified as to how Jamie's kidnapper picked her and her parents, but they know that he murdered her parents in an attempt to make it harder for her to be found. Well, predators, stalkers, kidnappers, and other creeps are everywhere, and the problem is getting worse. Nearly 800,000 kids are reported missing every year, while thousands of adults are also targeted. In fact, kidnapping is becoming one of the most common crimes in the industrialized world. If you or your family were targeted by a kidnapper or a stalker, would you know how to tell? What can you do to safeguard yourself and your family from stalkers or evade a kidnapper who has targeted you? And if you were kidnapped, would you know what to do to survive and escape? Well, that's what we're here to talk about today. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine and executive director of the New World Patriot Alliance, another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. And with us today to talk about this very important topic is somebody that we've talked about or we've talked with several times in the past, actually, on its survival and escape and evasion, and that's Kevin Reeve. Kevin, welcome back to the program. Good to be here. Just making Good notes here. Yeah, good to always have you on, man. Um, listen, I love tapping into your expertise in this area, and it, and it is something that is really getting a lot more exposure to out there, especially when it comes to like human sex trafficking and, and things like that. So I'm really looking forward to getting some of these tips from you. Um, listen, everybody, Kevin is the founder and director of On Point Tactical, the lead provider of training in urban survival and escape and evasion. On Point has trained many members of elite military groups, including U.S. Army Special Forces, U.S. Navy SEALs, MARSOC, Air Force Pararescue, Navy and Air Force SEER instructors, as well as members of law enforcement, such as the DEA, U.S. Marshal Service, ICE, Secret Service, and the CIA. Now, in addition to urban skills, Kevin teaches wilderness survival, tracking, SEER, point man training, scout, and related skills. And prior to founding On Point Tactical, Kevin worked for one of the top tracking schools in America. And he spent eight years as a director on this program and was responsible for the instructor staff there. Kevin's TV and movie credits include technical work on the film The Hunted, History Channel's After Armageddon, National, Ge National Geographic's When Aliens Attack, and Court TV's Track Down the Chase. And he's also been featured on ABC News Nightline with some of the profiles on him and the school that he's running. To learn more about Kevin and his training, visit him online at www.onpointtactical.com. So, Kevin, um, 
when we're, we're talking about this topic, um, the Kloss kidnapping, the Jamie Kloss kidnapping that happened was really disturbing in part because like authorities really didn't know um, like why she was targeted. It wasn't like, I think a lot of these kidnappings that happen are typically from like parents that kidnap their own kid as part of a divorce, right. things like that. But we're getting a lot more exposure and a lot more, um, a lot more, um, I guess people are just really becoming more aware of human trafficking. I think a lot yes. of this was being brought on because of uh, like illegal immigration and things like that. But we also know that it's happening with sex trafficking and a lot more cases have come up like in the Caribbean, different things where people go away and then all of a sudden they're never to be seen again. And so again, what makes this really hard sometimes is it can't, when it can't be tracked to, oh, it was the father that kidnapped the kid. So what are some of maybe like the, um, the top warning signs that we should know either as parents for our kids or even for ourselves of, why, of where we might be being targeted by somebody for an abduction? Well, nobody is going to protect you but yourself. So don't think, well, I'll just call the police. Um, if you're being targeted, it's due to the fact that you're not being aware. Awareness is the key to avoiding kidnapping. It's just, it's a, I mean, it, that is simply the key. There's nothing, nothing magical about it. You know, you have to understand um, the types of kidnapping that typically are, are out there. There are, for example, in Mexico City in 2016, there were 106,000 kidnappings. Um, most of those were for profit. They were people who were being kidnapped for ransom. And that doesn't seem like a high number for a city of 20 million until you realize that about 80% of those were expat Americans that were living down there. So um, that is a much smaller population and the percentage of expats kidnapped is actually quite high, but that's, that's fairly, you know, not all that common uh, in terms of uh, United States, the uh, United States kidnap. Well, actually Mexico city is the kidnap capital of the world. Number two is Phoenix, Arizona in the world. Really? Yeah. And um, a lot of that has to do with drug trafficking, mm. but it also has a lot to do with human trafficking. There is so much human trafficking, we have no grasp of it. We have no idea what the numbers really are. And I will tell you, they are in the millions. There are so many people being abducted for trafficking purposes. Um, well beyond what we what we're nor normally seeing in in the profit area, for example, there's also um, sex predators like Ted Bundy. That's that's what the 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 class kidnapping was. Um, it was somebody who who stalked and and kidnapped a particular person for whatever the reason. And um, I don't know if he saw her at the Seven Eleven and followed her. Or, you know, they just don't know how he came to, to choose it. But there are some things you can do to prevent that. Yeah. Um, well, there, go ahead. I was going to say, so, um, so yeah, like the first question I have is like, what are some of the warning signs? Like, oh, like I might be being targeted right now. And then I definitely want to dive into some of these precautions. What are, what are yeah. some of the warning signs? Like awareness is one thing, but okay, if we're aware, what are some of the things we might be looking for? Like, wait a minute, something's not right here. Well, if, if, first of all, if it's a child, you want to really monitor their online activities because a lot of those kinds of kidnappings occur because of contacts they, they make, uh, the predator makes online. So you have to make sure you know what your kids are doing online. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's hard. You know, there's, I mean, you know, my kids don't want to hand me their phone, yeah. you know? And uh, so you have, but you have to have a frank conversation with them. Secondly, um, you have to pay attention to who you see whenever you're out. So if I, if I go to the Seven Eleven and buy a Slurpee and I look around and I notice who's there and then I go over to the dry cleaners and pick up uh, some dry cleaning and I see the same person, um, that's possibly a coincidence. But by the time I get to a third stop, I stop at the bookstore um, and I see the same person, it's not a coincidence. Mm-hmm. So it takes a, a, a certain amount of awareness to, uh, about seeing people, we call that a surveillance detection route, and it's a it's a very primary um, skill that is taught to uh, anybody who's doing any kind of covert work. But it's really important to teach your kids, hey, you know, I, I think this guy's following me. Then the question is, you know, how do you counter that? What do you do about that? But um, you have to develop a fairly high level of paranoia. And it's sad, but you have to teach your kids to be paranoid too. Uh, otherwise, I mean, we are not living in the same world I grew up in. Clearly not. Things are far more dangerous. So a little paranoia goes a long ways. And so it's a matter of you observing what's going on. Um, the, the big mistake people make if they're being followed is that they decide they better run home. And that's the last place you want to go. You do not want to go home. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm definitely going to go there. Let's go ahead and talk about some of those things like um, the precautions that you can make. So you brought up one. I thought that was really good, which is, you know, go. Um, uh, so one of the warning signs might be somebody, somebody like trying to reach out to you on through social media or some through your phone online or some way to be able to like basically entice somebody, whether it's you or whether it's your children. But but also because because there have been situations also we've seen you know, like where somebody has come. Uh, we just had it here. In, I'm, I'm in Illinois right now. And there was just a case I saw a couple months ago where a woman responded to she was pregnant. She responded to a an ad for like a couch or something like that. Like mm-hmm. there, somebody was it was one of those online, you know, like a Craigslist kind of thing, like a Craigslist sort of thing. Right. So mm-hmm. she went and responded to it and ended up she was basically butchered by these people. Um coming to this thing and yeah. and the baby was obviously the baby was killed and everything it was a horrific story and this is yeah, something I did, you normally I did, see I did follow that one and and so you know I mean my caution on that is don't uh, if you're selling something you know if, it, if it's a couch I don't know how you can do that but if it's a, a camera you want to meet somebody on a neutral location mm-hmm. you don't want to invite, invite strangers to your home now in the class situation um, someone knocked at the door, the father opened the door and got shot. Um, my, again, my paranoia is don't go anywhere without your, without your, without your handgun. And, uh, when someone comes to your door, don't open it without knowing who it is. Mm-hmm. I, I, and if you don't know that person, um, talk to them through the door. I know it seems rude, but you just cannot afford uh, to make a mistake like like that. And so, you know, when I have a gun sitting next to my chair, when I go to answer the door, the gun goes behind my back. I put my foot in front of the door if I open it so that they can't push through. And I, I, I talk to whoever's outside. I know that seems extreme. 
but how else can you prevent something like that? Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. And you know, you can put a trap door in front of the welcome on underneath the welcome mat and drop them. You know, I, but a a short of that, I, I don't know anything other than have a weapon in your hand when you answer the door. Yeah. Because the class, class one is really disturbing. I mean, that one's, the, I've looked at that and tried to figure it out. And I, I really, other than, other than answer the door with a weapon, I don't have any suggestions about how to deal with that kind of thing. Yeah. It's, it's a toughie. Yeah. Because I mean, we always talk, we, you know, we wax poetic about, you should always be on, you know, orange alert, orange alert, orange mm-hmm. alert. But, you know, it's like that's virtually impossible. It is. At all the time. And so it's, it's – and the criminals often seem to have the advantage in all this because they already know what their actions are going to be. And we haven't even, like, begun to even, like, notice that their actions right. are already in motion. So uh, interesting, yeah. Well, okay. And, and you just need to have some so – what I, we call them standard operating procedures, which is you always do it the same way. Your door is locked unless you unlock it. You know, whenever you're in this, inside the house, the door should be locked. That's just basic security. When you answer the door, you don't open the door until you know who's there and what their business is. And you have a, a weapon in your hand. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the only thing I can think of about that particular kidnapping that would have maybe improved the, their odds. Yeah. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, listen, everybody, we're talking with Kevin Revo on pointtactical.com about how to prevent and identify a possible kidnapping, as well as how to escape and evade your captors if you are abducted. And we have a lot more to get to, including how to evade an abductor who you've suspected is targeting you before he makes his move. Also, survival tactics for staying mentally strong and tactically strategic when it comes to you being in captivity, and how to spot and take advantage of your opportunities for escaping your captors after being abducted. All that and more is coming right up, but first, check out this special message. In any disaster, crisis, or attack, your life and the life of those you love could solely rest on the survival gear you've acquired. Do you have the proper gear to protect you from the threats you'll face? Whether it's preparing your home against the destruction and mayhem of a city in chaos, or you're bugging out to a safer location when a natural disaster forces you from your home, the supplies you have right now could ensure your survival or seal your fate. Don't take the risk. Claim your free copy of our exclusive guide, Survival Gear Secrets, at survivalgearsecrets.com and discover the seven-phase survival gear plan every family must prepare for or face the consequences. Five no-bullshit warning signs that a collapse is headed your way, so you're already in action long before your neighbors even know what hit them. And how to know exactly when it's safer to stay at home and shelter in place. Or get in the family bug out mobile and get the hell out of Dodge. Your fellow citizens may be fine with sleeping in a crowded stadium waiting for FEMA to hand them a granola bar, juice box, and a blankie. But you know that no one can protect your family better than you can. If you're properly prepared with the right supplies and equipment to ensure your survival. Don't wait until it's too late. Find out what's missing from your survival gear plan by grabbing your free copy of Survival Gear Secrets now at www.survivalgearsecrets.com. And now, back to our show. Okay, we're back with Kevin Reeve of OnPointTactical.com talking about tips, tricks, and tactics for preventing, escaping, and evading an abduction. We have a lot more to get to, so let's go ahead and jump back in our interview now. Um, Kevin, so let's go ahead and say that, that right now we, like, we're, we're aware, we notice somebody, this person, um, I'm seeing them two, three times. 
something's something's amiss here and they're you notice that you are being targeted or you suspect that you're being targeted. So what are some of the things that we can do to try and, um, you know, try, try and evade this person from being abducted in the first place? So what are some, what are our first actions? Like you brought up one earlier that I thought was really good, which is what everybody would, would think just run home, like get home as, as fast as possible. Right. And you say that that's actually not a good idea. So why don't we no. start? You're for, you're, if you know you're being followed, go to a police station. Mm-hmm. Um, don't go anywhere isolated. Do not allow yourself to be, um, you know, you think, well, I'll run to the mall, but you got to get from the parking lot into the mall. And that's very common abduction area. So you have to, you have to, uh, make yourself, uh, make the crowd protect you by, by going into a crowd or, uh, going into um, a police station, a fire station, some kind of government service where there are people. But a police station would be ideal. You yeah. know, the, I, I guarantee you pull into the parking lot of the PD, whoever's following you is probably going to be um, beating cheeks out of there. He's not going to stick around. Yeah. And uh, I think you and I have talked in the past also, you, you brought up um, like going into a store. I mean, any place right. that has like a, a cashier there, if it's a child, like letting them know if you, if you, I mean, cause how many times do they see a police officer, but if they can go into a store and say, Hey, I'm afraid there's a man following me. Can you call the police please? Or something, you know, right. to the work there. Yeah. Yeah. Teaching children to be kidnap proof is a, that's a real challenge because yeah. they're so naive and trusting. Mm-hmm. And, and of course that's what the kidnapper exploits is their naivete. So yeah, you have to, you have to tough them, toughen them up a little bit. And it's hard to do that without making them incredibly cynical. You know, I, I, I don't know where the balance is there, but, um, you know, that's, that's really important is that they, they understand there is danger. You know, I hate to use the term stranger danger, but that's, that's what it is really for a child. Yeah. You, have to, you have to make sure they understand um, that life is not good and there are bad people out there. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That is hard. I remember seeing a video, I think it was on YouTube or something, but you know, some guy that was kind of testing parents on a playground. Like if I were yeah. a child and you know, if I, if I talked to them, would they go anywhere with me? Oh no, no, they would never do that. And sure enough, this guy was like so simple. Yeah. Help me find my lost puppy. Exactly. Right. 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 Yeah. Scary stuff, man. Um, so let's say that, um, let's say that we are abducted. So, I mean, I, I travel internationally, I travel around the country. Um, I didn't realize that about Phoenix being, uh, so you know, so much, you know, so dangerous. You think comes- you think like Bogota or right. you know, Caracas or you know some Eastern European country? No, it's right here in, in the United States. Yeah, yeah. Most of that's cartel related, but yeah. Well, I did used to. I mean, I used to travel to Mexico City quite a bit um, for some work down there, for some security work down there, and. One of the things I looked at, and this would be a good precaution for people, is if you are traveling abroad, is be able to go like to the State Department website or someplace where you can see, um, I think it was, I forgot what the name of the company was, but I did have a subscription at that time for, uh, it was a, it was an, yeah, that's what it was. So it was basically that would give you a rundown of, of what the conditions were wherever you were going. And so- I, I completely recommend Stratfor for people who are traveling overseas. Yeah. It, it gives you local- News. It's a news clipping service, but they also do a lot of analysis, right? And crime statistics and so forth. It's invaluable. Yeah, yeah. And one thing I learned there was going to Mexico City. Like, 
don't get into a taxi cab. You're pretty much going to end up in an alley. There's going to be five big guys that come out on the alley and then mm-hmm. you're just going to get beat up and, and left for left for dead in there. So yeah. I always had my own driver when I went to Mexico City. Now, when I'm traveling around here, I mean, there are, there are ways that anybody can be targeted. And so let's, let's go ahead and go into now more of the uh, escape section of it. So if I am taken, if I am abducted, um, my wife is abducted, abducted or something like this is happening. Like, what are some of the things... I know you've taught like SEER instructors and, and these, but it's just that survivability factor mm-hmm. and being able to, um, in order to escape, knowing when your opportunities are. And I'm going I'm to get into that here in a little bit, but just to be able to survive the abduction, the mental strain of it, just to be able to keep yourself going, to be able to look for those opportunities, to have the mental bandwidth to be able to look for your opportunities for escape. What are some of the things that people can do to, I guess, stay mentally um, strong during an well, abduction. L- let me tell you. Typically, what happens while they are kidnapping you? Well, you know, let's say they drag you in towards a car. That moment is they are very vulnerable, so they're going to want to do whatever they're going to do really fast. Which is why they would probably not take the time to tie you up with a rope, but rather to zip tie you or handcuff you. Um, so the chances are they're going to grab you, throw you in the uh, zip tie you throw you in the trunk. Um, And then uh, there's this whole psychology about kidnapping that says that in order to be successful, the kidnapper has to establish dominance, complete dominance to the point where you can't pee without permission. And um, they start that off by immediately starting to beat you. So it's very possible that you would get uh, thrown in the trunk of a car and then hit in the head five times just kind of a little shock and awe to put you into shock to take away your desire to resist. And um, you have to get over it. You might've, you might, he might've just broken your nose and it hurts like hell and blood is pouring out of your nose. Tough. You got to suck it up. Uh, And you got to do what the SEER instructors always say is work the problem. Work the problem means be thinking of nothing else except how do I get out of this situation? and then start working on that. The sooner you begin that process, the better. If you're still in the trunk of a car, um, start to assess your situation. Uh, Look for a trunk release. If there's not a trunk release, most trunk latches are pretty weak, and you can pop them with your feet or uh, roll over on your hands and knees and put arch your back, and you can pop that trunk open. And then roll out of the car. Um, It's probably a good idea to wait till you're stopped in traffic but I'd rather take my chances uh, on getting away that way than I would on on uh, in the middle uh, of the woods somewhere, right? <laughs> you know, or, uh, right? Yeah. So yeah. The, 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 it's really important that you start right away. Generally speaking, when you're kidnapped, as time goes by, the 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 difficulty of escape increases. In other words, you start off in the trunk with flexi cuffs. They take you to a room, they chain your ankle to a a bed, and um, that's harder. Mm -hmm. So if you can escape in the first phase, the transportation phase, that's better than in the confinement phase. But, you know, over time, uh, you'll start to figure out routines and and patterns, and you can start to, to work out when is your best time. Um, so what are you looking for that in that respect? Well, if it's a sex predator or, you know, a Ted Bundy type and he's holding you as a captive, 
Um, he is going to have to sleep and eat and shop and go to work. He can't just, um, and so you have to pattern him, figure out when those times are, and that's when you work your escape. That's what, uh, is it Heidi? The the girl, the class girl? is, is I don't Jamie. remember. Jamie. Jamie. Yeah. Yeah, that's what she did. She waited till he was at work. And um, so you have to start paying attention to what's going on and start to recognize the pattern so that you can, you can figure out when the right time is. There may be just an opportunity. One of the things we teach in the urban escape and evasion class is how to run and climb and jump with handcuffs on. Uh, we used to uh, um, make the SEER instructors, when, we, when they were coming through, we made the SEER instructors climb on the roof of a shed, a shack, with handcuffs on. And you think it would be okay. You think it would be easy. It's not. We made them climb over chain link fences with handcuffs on. Very, very difficult. But once you've done it and you have some idea that you can do it, hey, you know, he turns his back to, to smoke a cigarette. You take off running, jump, and climb up uh, onto a balcony and lay flat, and, and uh, they don't know where you've gone. So being able to function while, while restrained is really important. Taking opportunities when they present themselves is really important. Uh, we had a student once who, um, just a tough guy. I mean, just, he was a special operations aviator. And we could not get him to crack. We were, we were doing a class where we were waterboarding. And we waterboarded him for half an hour to no effect. Mm -hmm. Finally, we just gave up and let him, let him go. Well, we captured him again, threw him in the trunk, handcuffed him and hooded him. And we're driving down the, down the um, busiest street in Orlando. Called the Orange Blossom Trail. I mean, eight, ten lanes across, and we're stopped at a traffic light. All of a sudden, I hear kachink, and I look in the rearview mirror, and the lid of the trunk comes up, and this guy climbs out of the, he climbs out of the trunk with one handcuff hanging on his wrist, slams the lid, pulls the hood off, throws it in onto the deck of the truck, looks in the rearview mirror, flips me off, and takes off running, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, we're so screwed. <laughs> we are going to jail. It was a military class. I said, you better call Jag and tell him what's going on because, but you know, the, his, his point was he didn't have to be completely out of the restraints in order to make his escape. He got one handcuff off and took off running. It's pretty hard to run with handcuffs on. It's pretty hard to climb, but it's possible. So um, with all of this, uh, all of this start working, the better, uh, as soon as you can, you're better off trying to escape from the car than you are trying to escape from a holding cell somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, well, let me, let me ask you kind of along that lines of um, like surviving, like, like um, surviving during the abduction, is it better to, um, to kind of provide resistance or is it better to play along um, so that they bring their guard down. What do you What do you recommend to people? Well, it it depends on how many of them there are. If there's just one, I'm going to give him a hell of a fight. He may get me, he may subdue me, but um, I'm probably not going to go very passively. But if it's six strong guys, I was doing a a, a class once with some special ops guys, and um, these guys were experts at snatching. And I said, I want you guys to do this to me. So I walk down the sidewalk, van pulls up. Four guys hit me all at once, one low, 
one medium, one high, one's cuffing me. I was hooded and hogtied in the back of a van in literally five seconds. And there was absolutely nothing I could do to resist. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's no point in trying to resist that because you're not going to be successful. Um, what about during the abduction? I mean, like not, I'm sorry, maybe I, I worded it wrong, but like, not like that makes a whole lot of sense. Like when you're being abducted, but if you're in captivity, is it, is it helpful to try and like gain trust or play along or like, what do you, what do you recommend there? You know, there, there are two schools of thought. It really depends on who your captors are. Um, some of the, some of the guys who have been captured in the Middle East, um, resist, resist hard. The general thinking is if you have valuable data, this is military. If you have valuable data, it has an expiration date. In other words, if you know plans or whatever, you just have to delay because in a prolonged captivity where they can interrogate you over and over and over, you're eventually going to break. All you have to do is delay until that data is no longer sensitive, till it expires. Once the expiration date is passed, go ahead and talk. Um, but, you know, uh, if it's ideological, like if you get kidnapped by ISIS, they're going to cut your head off. Um, and you know that, so you play hard ass the whole time. You never give them an, uh, uh, never give them anything, you know. If it's Mexico City and it's, not, it's a profit kidnapping, hey, you go along. You, you, you play up. Don't look them in the eyes. Don't make eye contact. Don't, uh, don't do anything to challenge their authority and eventually they're either going to let you go or they're not. Yeah. Yeah. But that's one, but you're right. I mean, it's, it's, so it makes sense then to really kind of assess um, what you think this is all about. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So if you know, it's just for like, if it's a typical, like, you know, for ransom or whatever, what they want is the money. They're not looking right. to necessarily be killers or anything like that. They're just, you well, know, it's bad. It's bad for business. If they start killing their, their people, they just don't succeed that way. Yeah. And so, um, what you have to do then is just kind of last, last yeah. until something happens. Well, the other thing I would maybe add to that is to just really take, take as much mental note as you can of your surroundings, noises you hear, mm -hmm. um, look around for weapons. Like if you were able to get free, you don't want to be looking for a weapon at that time. Like, so look around, right. what does your abductor, if they come in to feed you, do they, do they have a knife in their front pocket? Um, are they carrying a weapon? Do they have a gun with them? Um, you know, things like that can all right. be when you time your, uh, for when you time your, your escape. So actually let's go into that now. So when we are looking for our opportunity for escape, you already brought up as one of the things you want to do during your actual, like while you're there, look for patterns that they have, what are their right. sleep, what are eating patterns and those things. So what are other things we look for, for like, when is our opportunity then to really kind of take advantage of, of our, um, our ability to escape at that time? What are some of the things? Well, you know, if they bring open the cell to bring food in, that, that if there's an open cell. So yeah, they might have somebody with a gun on you, but um, you know, you really have to take advantage of those opportunities. If you know how to pick locks and can get out through other means, I, there's a great story in a book called the uh, guests of the Ayatollah. There were three guys that escaped from the embassy takeover. Probably never heard of them, but they figured out how to pick the padlocks on the chains around their ankles they climbed out a window, jumped onto the wall, and dropped down in Tehran. 
And the reason you never heard about them is because after three years, they gave up. I mean, three hours, they gave up, went back to the, into captivity for another year because right. they didn't have any knowledge of terrain. So an important idea here is that you need to understand what your, some of the cultural norms, language, if you're overseas, especially really important. You have to study the background of the area. You have to know where the embassy is, where, where you can go, you know, for example, the British embassy, you know, in, in Tehran in 79, there was an American embassy. It was, it was now under Iranian control. Well, you had to know where to go. And, and there were some that escaped and did make it out because they knew where to go. They had cultural knowledge. So um, once you figure out how to escape and make your plan, um, you have to then take into consideration, how am I going to um, disguise myself? How am I going to feed myself? How am I going to make contact with people who can help me? All these things are part of your planning process while you're in captivity. You have a lot of time on your hands, right? You're, you're just sitting there. So you need to be working the problem. I love that term, work the problem. Always be figuring what you're going to do, how you're going to do it, and, and fashioning tools and weapons, just like you said. Yeah. Every, you know, it, one of my favorite aspects, of part of the urban class is how to weaponize everyday items. I have a, a collection of weapons that uh, students have made in the class that are awe-inspiring. They're just phenomenal stuff they found in alleys and, and turned into weapons. Um, it's a very creative process. You should be doing that the whole time you're in captivity, starting to think of all of the aspects of escape. Once you escape, where are you going to go? What route are you going to take? Hopefully you have enough knowledge of the terrain to be able to do that. But if you don't, um, then you're going to end up turning yourself back in in three hours because you're completely bamboozled. Hmm. You know, it does bring up a really uh, interesting kind of uh, like extension to this to this question. So let's say that you are let's say you are in the back of the trunk and you've been sedated or, or whatever. And all of a sudden you wake up in a cell, but you are able to do the things that you said and you are able to escape. All of a sudden you pop out and you are you don't even know where you're at. Like you popped out of a shed and it looks like there, you know, there's a road there, but there's woods here. You don't hear any cars. You don't hear any traffic or anything like what, where would you go? What would you like? That's always right. the thing like, Oh my God, what do I do now? Like, uh, do I go, you know, which way do I run? What? So what are some things? I mean, cause the other option is to, if the person isn't there, wait for them for an ant, like to ambush them. Like if it's an individual person, which sure. again, like you say, like you say, work the problem that you have. If it's a single abductor, I know I could overpower them maybe, or I know he carries a knife in there. I can maybe hide. And when he comes in to feed me at 4.30, like he does every day, you know, hit him over the head, take the car that he was in. Like there's ways to do right. that. So what are some of the things like I pop out of the shed, I'm in the middle of nowhere, there's nobody around. What, what do I do? Yeah. I mean, very typically kidnappers like that need isolation in order to be successful. They can't afford to hear uh, have uh, the neighbors hearing people scream and so forth. There was a kidnapping here in, in uh, up in Salt Lake City not too long ago where a young woman met with a, I think it was a tender date, and he abducted her and killed her. And it turns out that this guy had hired a, or tried to hire a contractor um, to build a soundproof room in his basement 
with hooks on the wall. And it's like, said, yeah, I, I don't think so. So this guy was stupid. He ended up getting caught, but he abducted and murdered this, this beautiful young woman. And, um, you know, and uh, you know, I mean, there's obvious ones there. Don't meet kin- Tinder dates at two thirty in the morning that you don't know. Yeah. You know, that, that seems pretty obvious, but uh, they met in an isolated spot and that's a dead giveaway. Don't go to the isolated spot. Uh, if you're in an isolated spot, um, then you have to orient. You have to you have to have enough knowledge of terrain to go. Okay, the mountains are always on the east in this city. Okay, the mountains are that way. So I am somewhere to the west of the mountains, which means you know this. And then you start looking for other other topographical features to orient yourself. Um, and once you're oriented, you have a general idea of direction, then you can start working it. Uh, I would always prefer to go through the woods. You know, if, there, if, I, if I can stay in a wilderness area, that's much to my advantage. But that's because I have a particular set of skills that would make it that way. Um, if I'm trying to get to where, you know, see, again, here's the situation is dependent. But if I'm in, a, if I'm in Mexico City, um, I'm probably going to try and get to um, a, an American embassy the American embassy or, uh, or some other country's embassy. It doesn't matter. I just want to get to some official location. Going to the police in Mexico city may not be your best option. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the level of corruption in that city is so complete where they have such complete. I mean, the, the kid, yeah. the, the, they helped the cartels, they helped the kidnappers. Yeah. Now there's been a really interesting transition in the last year or two where the DEA has been very effective in stopping drugs coming across the border. So what have the cartels done? Well, they've realized they can make more money in human trafficking than they can in drugs. And it's much harder to stop. So the, the, the drug cartels, the golf and the Zetas and everybody have switched more towards human trafficking. Mm. Um, so many people coming over the border illegally are bringing children with them. And those children are kidnapped from some route along the way. And they're put into sex slavery um, or worse as soon as they cross the border. Now they're, they're so I mean, there has to be complicity here uh, on our side of the border for this to work, but apparently there is. Yeah. Yeah. And scary times, man. Scary times. Well, well, listen, I really appreciate um, this stuff. Actually, um, so what I've been doing lately is giving my top three takeaways from uh, from the talk. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to go ahead and run those down now, and then I got a little surprise for you, too. So um, the first takeaway that I got was, um, was not to run home, and I've never really thought about that. Um, I mean, it makes total sense. It, I mean, when you think about it, the reason why and not wanting to be, you know, somebody be able to see you come and know where you live, it makes total sense. But, well, uh, you know, let me just tell you a quick, just a quick story, if that's okay. Do we have time? Please. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had a stalker. Um, I had, I, yeah, bottom line is I had a stalker and he would follow me and I would do evasion stuff that I knew how to do and lose him. One day my wife calls me and goes, Hey, this guy is behind me following me. What should I do? I'm, I'm almost home. I said, just keep going. Do not drive to the house. 
we set up a, a rally point where I met her and, and made it pretty clear to this guy that he would get himself killed if he kept following her. And then that allowed her to go home. But she, her instinct was to go home. That's what most people's instinct is. They really want to go home because um, that's where they feel they'll be safe. She thought she'd be safe if she was home where I was. And uh, that's just a bad idea. You yeah. don't want to bring this person straight to your straight straight to your house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my first takeaway. Um, the second one was the speed of being tied up, of when you are abducted. That it's not a, a time where they're like time is is on is not on their side. Like they want to get get you abducted and then mm -hmm. get out of there. And so the means of of tying you up are going to be also the things that I know you, I've been, listen, everybody, I've been through uh, Kevin's urban escape and evasion course, and it is second to none. It is really something you have to experience. And I highly recommend taking that course, any, any of his courses, but that's an especially useful uh, course that I found. Thank you. And, and you learn how to get out of things like zip ties and handcuffs and being bound with rope. You learn how to get out of those things and those, and the easiest means to tie you up is what you're going to initially deal with. And that's going to be much better than you being chained to a bed with a giant padlock and a giant chain around, around you. So, um, so that's, that, that's something that I think is very interesting for people to under, understand is that um, your, your means of being bound in the, in the beginning are going to be easiest to escape from. Correct. And then uh, the third one was that it's hard to run when, and climb when you have handcuffs. And I'm assuming you were talking about even just in, with your with your hands in front of you. And I've never run with those. Apparently we didn't do that in my class, Kevin, but that's an interesting uh, thing. I wouldn't think that with your hands in front of you, that it would be that hard, but it makes sense trying to climb a, a fence and do that stuff. So that's an interesting uh, thing as well. That's a, that's something that well, I'll warn you not to try and run with your handcuffs behind you. Yeah. And I, and I learned that the hard way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can imagine the uh, biffing your face uh, on that one pretty oh. hard. Um, there's okay, nothing, so there's nothing to break your fall. You, yeah. you, you tur I turfed it. I was on grass, but I, I, I showed up at home with this big grass stain on my forehead, and my wife looks at me and goes, "You're such an idiot." <laughs> <laughs> uh, the final thing that we have here is kind of a lightning round of some questions that are kind of off topic. Um, although a couple, one of these I think is at least on topic. But um, so I just have three quick questions for you here for a lightning round. Mm -hmm. um, one, what's the, um, what is the, the closest that you've ever come to death? Oh, boy. Um, it's probably, it's probably a, a near miss on a, on a uh, traffic situation where I almost, I rolled, I rolled my car three times and, and uh, walked away. That's probably about the closest. It wasn't anything spectacular the, the the real question is when when are the times that the other guy was closest to death <laughs> yeah yeah that's not one of my questions but because because my next question is even more important which is what did you eat for breakfast this morning oh man bacon and eggs good man i i would that's what i would have guessed of you also by the way so bacon and eggs man and then the third one, it actually is on topic, but what is the, um, and it's interesting that you brought this up during the interview also, but I know that one of the things that we had to do was to fashion weapons during the escape and evasion course. And so um, what was, what's been the most creative and, and best and most useful weapon that you've seen created in, inside of your course, in, 
outside of your courses? Well, my, I have a couple of real good favorites. One was done by some Marsoc guys, and it's, it was really astonishing. They found a meat cleaver behind a restaurant, and they attached it using parachute cord to a, about a two-and-a-half-foot-long piece of half-inch rebar. I've had that thing for 10 years, maybe 12 years, and that thing is still as – and it's only tied on. That thing is still as tight as it was the day they put it together. They, and it's, it's, it's what I call the zombie killer. Um, but I have, I have a bunch of really fun ones. Sometime I'll have to uh, send you some, some pictures of them because um, another, another one of my favorites is a, is a battle axe made with a, the large sprocket off of a bicycle, hmm. the front sprocket. It, it's just you look at it and you go, okay. That's a, that's that'll do some damage. That would know? hurt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember you telling me also one time of a, uh, somebody that made a a crossbow out of PVC. That mm-hmm. was actually quite effective too. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, in the advanced urban class, we teach you how to make a crossbow with um, driveway markers. You know, the fiberglass rods. Yeah. Yeah. And very effective. Yeah. Those are really good, actually. Makes yeah. a pretty, pretty effective, um, pretty effective crossbow. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Kevin, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Uh, listen, everybody, again, I've had firsthand experience with Kevin's training courses. And all I can say is head on over to his website, check out what he's got there. I mean, I think you're going to start, I'm going I'm to warn you right now, you're going to start drooling. So have like a, a large napkin or towel with you because as <laughs> soon as you start seeing all the different types of courses, you realize that you're not going to get this anywhere else. Even in the military, most soldiers never get even anywhere near this kind of this kind of training anywhere. So, so definitely go over and check out his website over at www.onpointtactical.com. And until our next Modern Combat Serial broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying prepare, train, and survive. This has been Modern Combat and Survival. Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.